this is Kelly Chase and you are listening to History Detective, a podcast where I delve into the past to uncover the mysteries of history and then I explore how that story might be reimagined through song. This is case 35, Livia Drusilla, wife of the very first emperor of Rome. A huge thank you to Amped Up Learning for their continued support of the podcast. They have ready-made teaching resources for all subject areas and grade levels. Amped Up Learning now have a points reward system earning you 5% rewards on every purchase. Head on over to ampeduplearning.com for all of your classroom needs, including supporting resources for every History Detective episode. Enter the code HISTORYDETECTIVE10 to get 10% off everything. After flicking through the Year 7 textbooks on ancient Rome and sadly finding them quite devoid of women, I decided to go hunting for an influential woman from the time period. I stumbled upon Livia Drusilla and chose to research her not because she was the influential wife of the first emperor of Rome, but because I used to love Buffy the Vampire Slayer and there was a character in the series called Drusilla. Anyway, Livia Drusilla also had a son called Tiberius, which is a Star Trek reference for those nerdy enough to know Captain Kirk's middle name. Sometimes our introduction to a person from history may be quite random, but I can tell you that I'm so glad that I discovered the story of this incredible woman from ancient Rome, Livia Drusilla. Down through the rabbit hole, mystery is so curiosity to follow. Because she was a woman in ancient times, of course, the record of her birth is not one that made the history books. But to find out when she was born, we have to count back the years from when she died. She lived to a ripe old age of 86, so she was probably born in either 59 or 58 BCE. Now, things can get a bit confusing when studying ancient Rome, as key figures often like to change their names. For example, Livia's second husband, the one that became the first emperor of Rome, his original name was Gaius Octavius, also known as Octavian. But when he became emperor, he changed his name to Caesar Augustus. You might have heard of his uncle, Julius Caesar, the one that got stabbed 23 times by a bunch of senators. To avoid confusion, I'm just going to call him Augustus from here on in. Marriage in ancient Rome, especially in the upper echelons of society, was often not particularly romantic. Often the girls were very young and were married off to older men to create political and family alliances. And divorce was quite accepted. By the time Augustus met Livia, he had already been married two times. In fact, he was still married to his second wife at the time of their meeting. Livia was also married when they met, and she was pregnant with her second son when they divorced their previous partners and decided to get married. Scandalous. Now, even though women were able to socialise and some may have had influence over their husband, women were not permitted to be senators or hold political positions. They could not vote nor hold positions in the military and they had no rights over their own children. This is why for a woman to wield any kind of influence in society, she needed to have a measure of influence over her husband. Women rarely even got to have statues of themselves put up around the city in ancient Rome. 
I would like to say that things have changed, but in the interests of addressing the historical concept of continuity, not much has changed. In 2022, less than 5% of the statues that exist in Australia are of women. So by that logic, in 2,000 years, the female representation of statues has improved by 5%. If we keep going at this rate, it should only take another 20,000 years to get statue equality. Now, because both Augustus and Livia had been married before, they both brought stepchildren to their marriage. Augustus had a daughter called Julia, and Livia had two sons, Tiberius and Nero. Although Livia was only 20 when they were married, they stayed together until Augustus died 52 years later. But they never had any children together. And this created issues for Livia's reputation. Unless you've been living under a pop culture rock, you've probably heard of the trope of the wicked stepmother. Think Snow White, Cinderella, Tangled and Hansel and Gretel to name a few. As a stepmother myself, I do take issue with the stereotype because I'm sure there are many wise, kind and caring stepmothers out there. But these stereotypes did not start with the fairy tales of Brothers Grimm. In fact, the star of our episode, Livia Drusilla, was one of the original stepmothers to be branded with this label. So let's find out who the perpetrator of these wicked rumours was and what grounds he had for spreading such vitriol. know so much about Livia Drusilla, a woman from almost 2,000 years ago, is not because she appears on some ancient Roman coins and was lucky enough to be immortalised in more than 80 statues, but there were about five historians from ancient Rome who mention her. Two of them were alive at the same time as she was, and three of them were not even born until after she died. But presumably, when writing, they did have access to primary sources that no longer exist. Two of the historians who wrote about her after her death were a historian called Tacitus and another called Cassius Dio. Let's just get the chronology straight. Livia died in the year 29 CE, and our historian friend Tacitus was not born until 56, and Cassius Dio was not born until 130-ish years later. So I'm going into this with a slight question mark over the reliability of their information. So if you've got some men telling the story 150 years later, maybe their information is not quite accurate. There were two sides to Livia that were presented by these historians. On the one hand, Tacitus calls her a selfish, overbearing mother and wife whose influence was resented by the Roman people. And on the other hand, he speaks of her graciousness, traditional compliance and moral strictness. Tacitus also labels her a multiple murderess. That is quite an accusation. So what does he mean? He is referring to the fact that her husband, the emperor, died before she did. And although he never had any sons, he had adopted two sons of his daughter so that they could inherit his position as emperor of Rome after he died. Unfortunately, both of these two sons also died. One died of illness at 21 when he was away at military training and the other son died at the age of 23 when he was away in a place called Lycia. 
So Livia was accused of poisoning both of these adopted sons so that her own son Tiberius could become the next emperor. She was not even in the same city as them when they died. She was also accused of poisoning some figs in the garden, which her husband then picked and ate and died. Really? The logistics are so implausible. A, what kind of lethal poison is going to be able to be painted on figs without her husband being able to taste something very funky? And B, figs are quite prolifically fruiting trees, so the idea of a 75-year-old woman going out in the hot August summer and painting hundreds of figs on the off chance that her husband would pick one is a little bit ludicrous. Besides, the man was in his late 70s when he died, so I do not 100% trust this fig rumour that was printed by historians who weren't even alive at the time that it happened. As a result of the deaths of her two adopted sons and her husband, her own son Tiberius, who had been adopted by Augustus, was now set to become the second emperor of Rome. He was emperor until his death. While her husband Augustus was alive and during his four decades of reign as emperor of Rome, Livia was known as his advisor. But after his death, when the Senate tried to grant her the title of mother of the country, because she'd been the advisor for 40 years, remember, her son successfully blocked the motion. Perhaps he was a little jealous of her popularity. Needless to say, they had a rather strained relationship towards the end of her life, and in her mid-80s, when she was ill, he didn't even go to visit her, nor did he attend her funeral. Tacitus may have tried to dull Livia Drusilla's sparkle, and historians may have tried to pin the deaths of the emperor and his heirs on her. But she was remarkable by the fact that in a social system where women had few rights, she managed to challenge the narrative and be a woman who was remembered for her power and influence in the early years of the Roman Empire. Just whose truth will it be? Hers or his story? Maybe just a little bit in between. Now I would like to play you a song that I wrote which was inspired by Livia Drusilla. It is called Wicked or Wise. This is Kelly Chase on The Case.
Follow me on Twitter at History Detect, on Instagram at History Detective 9, or you can join my mailing list in the link in the show notes. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways you can do this. Firstly, if you're a teacher and would like supporting resources for all of the History Detective episodes, you can head on over to Amped Up Learning or Teachers Pay Teachers to buy accompanying resources. You'll find links in the show notes. Or simply you can buy me a coffee using the link in the show notes too. But if you would like a non-financial way to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and now you can even rate and review in Spotify. As this is a completely independent podcast, your support helps me to keep producing episodes. Next time on History Detective, we will investigate the women who drafted the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. If you liked what you heard and know someone who might enjoy History Detective too, please share and subscribe. See you next time.